So last week, Bill did a great job, uh, a great job with the uh, parable of the fig tree, right? Jesus' disciples in Matthew 24, they're asking a lot of questions about the future, man. Uh, what would signal the end of the age and his return? There in Matthew uh, 24, 32 through 35, Jesus said this, and it was the parable of the fig tree. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and leaves come out, you know summer's near. How many are waiting for spring to be near? Oh, man, I can't wait till stuff starts budding, right? And, and, and you, know, you look around and you see, you know, so you can see evidence of spring on the horizon, right? Well, that's what Jesus is saying. He says, even so, when you see all these things, you will know that it, talking about him, is near right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Man, don't miss that last. Don't miss verse 35. What's that again? Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words. In, in John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. He was with God, and it is God. So Jesus is saying, look, man, everything that you see, everything you can comprehend, it's, it's going to be gone. Not me. Not me. In, in other words, you know what he's saying here? Hey, man, put your faith in me. You put your faith in, don't put your faith in stuff of the world. Don't put your faith in things you can see, touch, taste, smell. Here, you put your faith in me, right? Bill's nutshell. Because we know what's to come, right? Who read, the, who read the end of the story? Anybody read the end of the book? Huh? You watched the movie, right? Jesus returns. Those who are his, we live forever with God the Father, right? We've read the end of the story. So no matter what happens, we win, we overcome, right? We're victorious. Bill's nutshell. Because we know what's to come, that's what's coming, it should change how we live now, right? Our priorities and our purpose should be radically different. How different? Because we've committed our lives to Jesus Christ. And, and I want to say something this morning. I want to tell you something. Here, here's the thing. We, we think living for Jesus is radical, Right? We think, man, being a follower of Jesus is radical. Can I, can I tell you this morning that that's not radical? Can I just share that with you this morning? Living your life like God wants you to, living for Jesus is not radical. You know what's radical? What's radical is saying you're a follower of Jesus Christ and not living that way. Think about that for a minute. Saying that you're His and you're living for Him and not looking like Him or living like the Bible tells us to, that's what's radical. Is that making sense? But somebody, I mean, think about the first, when Jesus goes back to heaven and, and, and those 120 disciples, the, the, the Holy Spirit came down, came upon them. They went, have y'all read that? Have y'all read that in the Bible? Have y'all read what they did, what happened? Persecution. God allowed persecution to take place to do what? Just to pick on people? No, to scatter what? To scatter the word, hello, to scatter the word all over the world. They went all over the world during persecution to share the gospel. 
And like, man, when you read about Peter, James, John, Paul, we think those guys are radical. You read about Moses and John the Baptist. We think those guys are, man, that's not radical. That's the way we should be living for Jesus. So that, that helps inspire me. I hope today it inspires you and encourages you to be radical for him, right? Which is normal. Three things I got out of it. You know, I'm doing my aha sheet. If you're not doing your aha sheet, there's your aha moment if you're not doing it. Do your aha sheet, man. Look, here's what I got out of it. Just as we recognize the seasons, I'm going to recognize when spring's coming, you know, by the flowers in the yard and the trees. And Just as we recognize that, as followers of Christ, we should recognize the time, right? We should be able to recognize that. Here's the other thing I got. Don't get wrapped up in the world. Don't get wrapped up in the things of the world. No, abide in me. Jesus said, abide in me. Be faithful to me. Stay focused on me. That was the last thing I got. Finish strong, finish the mission. Finish strong, finish the mission. Right? Remember I shared one time, I got it from J.D. Greer. I love listening to him. He said, look, man, if your Christianity, you're following Christ, is like riding a bicycle uphill. If you stop pedaling, what happens? You're backing up. You don't just stop where you're at. If you stop pedaling, you're backing up. And that was like, boom, that was a aha moment, right? So today, in the context of what Jesus has already shared, he shares another parable in Matthew 25. And this is 25, 1 through 13. And it's a parable of the ten bridesmaids, or whatever your translation is you're reading, it may say ten virgins, but ten bridesmaids was an NLT so I'm just going to read through it, and then let's look at some things that Jesus is, is sharing with his disciples. Because again, he's talking to his disciples, right? They're asking questions. So this is along the same line uh, as, hey, when, what's going to happen when the, at the end of the age? What's going to happen when you, when you come back? That's kind of where we're at. Keep in mind, man, when you're reading through the parables, when you're reading through God's Word, keep it in context. Because if you just look at a couple of sentences here or there, you, you can get sideways in a hurry, right? So you got to go you got to read it in context. So verse 1, The kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout. Look, the bridegroom's coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up, prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to the shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, y'all read that with me, I don't know you. 
Then he said to his disciples in verse 13, So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. And that's when the Son of Man, Jesus, the Son of Man, is coming back, right, for his bride. And that's the analogy that Jesus is using here. He's sharing this story about the bridegroom coming for the bride. Well, who's the bride? The church, right? Followers of Jesus Christ, the bride. Who's the bridegroom? Jesus. Jesus is that bridegroom. So uh, remember a couple weeks ago, back in that day, there were three stages to a wedding. You guys remember? First stage is is, uh, the signing of the marriage contract. It's when a couple, husband and wife, would come together. A dowry would take place. Either the, 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 the bridegroom's parents or he, he himself would, would give the, the, the bride's parents a dowry, okay? That's the official, you know, at that point they're married. I mean, in, in, in the Jewish custom, they were married at that point. Remember Joseph, Mary? They were betrothed, the word said. So the, the bridegroom goes back home. He's preparing a place for the bride. The, 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 the bride, she goes back home. She's preparing a place uh, or preparing things for the house. I mean, they didn't have a Target, you know, Target. They didn't have a Walmart. You know, they didn't. You couldn't sign up for a wedding registry. I mean, you made it or what? You didn't have it, right? So she had this, whether it's a six, nine month, or a year period to prepare for her home. Because what they're putting into it between that time period is what they're going to go home and what they're going to have of their own, right? So they're working hard during this time period. They come back together. That's phase one. They come back together. A ceremony takes place. And then phase three is they have the wedding banquet, right? The wedding feast. And in Revelation, we read when uh, Jesus gave John the Revelator, the information there about Revelation, we know that to be the marriage supper of the Lamb, right? That's where all God's kids, man, are brought home. And we have this wedding feast because the bridegroom has taken his bride home, right? Yeah, man, that's the time to get excited about, right? So that's kind of where we're at. Uh, So now the bridegroom would let the family know he's coming, right? He would let them know he's coming, but he doesn't tell them the hour. He just doesn't tell them the hour. So so here the the bride and her family, man, they know, you know, we just get word he's coming. He's coming. So they're getting ready, right? I mean, she's getting everything ready, man. She's packed. She's waiting for the bridegroom to show up, right? So, uh, and look, here's just a a quick reminder. Uh, In some of these parables, man, everything isn't spelled out, okay? Jesus doesn't go through and and describe every little thing here. And, And in some of these parables, everything isn't meant to be something, okay? Well, why 10 bridesmaids? Why not 15? Well, why, why was the bride? I mean, where, where was the bride at? I mean, she's not even mentioned. And, and why, delayed, what was, what was the bridegroom doing? So some of that stuff, I mean, it's just we don't know, okay? So let's don't get sidetracked on some of that stuff. And, and, and I know sometimes, man, when you get online, and you, I, I listen to a lot of other pastors and, and read a lot of other stuff, and, 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 man, everything don't mean something, Okay? <laughs> Every little thing in there doesn't mean something. Now, some things do, but not everything. So, uh, the kingdom of heaven will be like bridesmaids that took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom, right? Five were foolish. Five were foolish because they just, man, they grabbed their lamps and they take off, right? They didn't get no extra oil. Well, you need to get extra oil because the bridegroom's notified them that he's coming, uh, 
Because they grab lamps, it's probably later in the day, right? You can deduct that from the scriptures. So you, you, you got five foolish bridesmaids and five wise. They, they grab their lamps, they head out to meet the bridegroom, and they say, oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, it's getting a little dark. I better get some extra oil, right? So, and then when he was delayed, for whatever reason, we don't know why, he was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. So, just a couple of points here, man, about this. One, the bridegroom is ready for his bride. The bridegroom is ready for the bride. You know, Jesus is ready for us. Did y'all know that? Did you know today there is not one thing, there is not one prophecy, there is not one biblical thing that needs to happen before Jesus comes back? Do you guys know that? The only thing Jesus is waiting on is for the Father to say, Hey, son, go get your bride. That's all. That's all. Jesus is ready to get his bride. Okay? And that, man, that, that, if, if nothing else wakes us up, that should wake us up. No prophecy needs to be fulfilled. Nothing else. So that should wake us up. Uh, the bridegroom was delayed. Okay? Similar to the bridegroom in the parable, right? Jesus has, has been delayed. Right? It's been 2,000 years, right? Jesus ain't come back yet. And what, what, what happened to the bridesmaids? What, what were they doing? He's delayed, so they get drowsy. They get drowsy, they go to sleep. Notice it's the foolish and the wise both get drowsy and go to sleep. There's no distinction between the two. No distinction at all between them. The only difference we know between wise and foolish is they had one thing. What was it? The oil, right? So... That leads to the third point. There was two types of people that Jesus mentioned, right? Those that had extra oil and those that didn't bring any. Now, what do you think that oil is symbolic of? <clears throat> Holy Spirit. The oil here is symbolic, and it represents the Holy Spirit, which comes from a right relationship with Christ. In other words, the five wise bridesmaids were, one word starts with a P, prepared five were prepared five were not prepared five were wise five were foolish five had five had oil extra oil a reference of the holy spirit five did not five had the holy spirit right five didn't but both are sleeping both are drowsy and look romans 8 9 says this man if anyone does not have the spirit of christ he does not belong to him. And I, I know, man, we have, a, we have a works mentality, right? Because, because Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Satan tempted Eve, said, hey, you'll be like God. So, so we want to be our own God in our own life, and we want to satisfy our own salvation. We want to do these things. We want to check boxes off the list, Right? I know a lot of people, man, this, this mentality is, well, when I get to heaven, you know, I'm just, God's going to look at all my good stuff here, and he's going to look at all my bad stuff, and if my good stuff outweighs the bad stuff, then he's going to let me in because he's a God of grace and mercy. Guys, it don't work that way. It don't work that way at all. Either we've got the Holy Spirit of God in us, or we don't. How do you get, how do you get the Holy Spirit? By doing stuff? By going to church? I mean, you, you don't, right? 
There's only one way to get the Holy Spirit. We accept God's gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. That's the only way that we receive the Spirit. It's only through Jesus that we get that Holy Spirit, right? So look, I, I just, wise and foolish. Wise or prepared, foolish or unprepared. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how much ministry you do. How, how educated we are without the extra oil, without the Holy Spirit. In God's eyes, we're still foolish. We're still unprepared. So, I was going to move on here, and I thought, well, man, wait a minute. What does it mean to be, because I got, I got sidetracked. Y'all ever read God's Word and get sidetracked? You ever read God's Word and you hit a speed bump? So I'm like, well, why? Okay, wait a minute now. The, the wise and the foolish get drowsy and go to sleep. Y'all ever got drowsy and gone to sleep? Some of you do. You know I can see y'all, right? <laughs> I thought about, you know, at the barn, when we were at the barn, I had a super soaker. <laughs> so I thought about, I told Kelly I was going to get some of them big fat marshmallows. And I'm just going to throw marshmallows on Sunday morning. I'm not going to do that. I'll let you sleep. <clears throat> I used to be that way, man. I, I used to work 60, 70 hours a week. I had supervisors, a ton of supervisors working for me, and I, there was not a night probably in 18 years that I didn't get a phone call, sometimes two, three phone calls a night, okay? So I ne the thing I was looking forward to when I quit my job and, and, and came on board at Freedom, Kelly said, what are you looking forward to the most? I said, a full night's sleep without interruption, okay? So during that time, I, I could go into a meeting, and in most meetings, I didn't sit down. Most meetings, I stood up. Because if I sat down and I got comfortable, what's going to happen? <laughs> Baby, the lights are out, I'm telling you. And Kelly would be amazed at where I could sit down and go to sleep. Okay? So, but what happens, man, when, when we get drowsy? What happens when, when we go to sleep? Well, it could be tired, right? Or you could be bored out of your mind, Right? Not interested, not stimulated, not inspired. I mean, it could not be that interesting stuff you're listening to, right? Uh, or maybe it's just mundane. You ever, you ever mundane, you know, monotonous kind of stuff that you're going through and all of a sudden you got one eye going down? And, uh, or maybe you're not involved, you're not engaged, you know, you're, you're inactive, sedentary, right? You're not up moving. If I'm at the computer for a long period of time, I try to get up about every couple hours and just walk around, man. Because, man, that computer screen, it'll hypnotize you and you, 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 you know, you, you just be, you'll be comfortably numb in a skinny minute. Or maybe we're zoned out. Maybe we're just tuned out, right? You ever done that? Not paying attention? Or maybe, and I think for most people, here it is, we've settled into some comfortable spot. We've gotten quiet. Shh. Trying, trying to sleep. Covered up with something. And I turned out the light. Or I dimmed the light. Don't miss that. We're, this is spiritual. This is not actually going to sleep. This is spiritual. I dim the light so I can sleep. Who's the light? 
Guys, when we dim the lights, when you get comfortable, when, when, when we don't want other people saying anything to us, when we cover up with something other than Jesus, and when we dim the lights, we're going to go to sleep. We're going to go to sleep spiritually. Now look, man, what, what does the Lord expect of us while we're waiting? I mean, is, 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 is the Lord okay with us being drowsy and asleep while, while we're waiting? Now, that's next week. So put the, just put the kickstand right there, put it down, wait the next week, and, and, and we're going to pick up what the Lord expects of us while we're waiting. But, you know, but here's some scriptures I found, man. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be alert and of sober mind. How alert are you when you're asleep? Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. How does that, how does that happen when you're stimulated, inspired, and wide awake? It's the drowsy, the sleepy, that bam, Satan grabs and devours, isn't it? That's what Peter's saying here. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now, it's hard to give yourself fully to something if you're asleep, isn't it? You, you can't. It's impossible. Now, how do we prevent drowsiness and falling asleep spiritually? And I don't know that these are biblical, but these are just some, man, I was thinking about as, as I was going through and reading this. The first one, man, is don't put the light out. Right? Don't put the light. Why are you turning the lights out? Don't turn the light out. But it's bright. It's in my eyes. Absolutely. Needs to be. Jesus needs to open our eyes to where we are, right? So don't turn the lights out, man. That's our relationship with Christ, man. That's, that needs to be burning bright. The Holy Spirit needs to be, be burning, ruling, and reigning in our life, right? Here's the second thing. Get up and get out of the comfort zone. Just like when I was at work, man, I wouldn't sit down because I knew if I sit down, man, and in the offices they were kind of warm and kind of hot, I knew, man, I'm going to be out. I'm going to be gone. So don't sit down. Don't get comfortable. Don't go grab no blanket and pull up over you. Don't stop telling that brother and sister in your life that keeps, shh, I'm trying to sleep here. No, you ain't going to sleep. You're not going to sleep. I'm not going to be quiet. I'm going to worry the pure snot out of you, man, because you're sitting there. You're not doing anything. You grab something from the world to cover up with, and you've dimmed the lights. No. And we got to do that with each other, man. We got to have that kind of passion for one another, right? If not, there's some folks going to be sleeping. And here's something I thought about, man. Look, what can you do right now, or what are you doing that if the Holy Spirit didn't show up, you would be in major trouble? Think about that for a minute. What, what are you doing? Or let's put it a different way. Let's put it this way. What if the Holy Spirit left right now? Let's say the lights, the light was cut out. If the light was cut out right now, would there be any change in your life? Would you notice it? By the way you're living, 
by the way your life is and by the way things are going, would, would you even notice if the Holy Spirit was not there? Would the world see a difference? I can tell you, man, Freedom Biker Church, if the Holy Spirit don't show up, we're in big trouble. Brother, if God don't show up, we're in trouble. And that's the way we need to be living every day. That's a spirit-led, right? We're spirit-led. If you're spirit-led and the spirit don't show up, what happens? You're in trouble. See, that's the way we've got to start living, man. And, and look, if you dim the lights, if you've covered up, if you found you a comfortable place, I couldn't find a scripture to back it up, but I, I don't think the Spirit's in that, do you? And here's the other thing, man. Look, stop waiting for God to show up and show off in your life. Stop waiting for God to show up and show off in your life. Okay, look. He already has. Guys, come on. God has already showed up. He's already showed off in Jesus' death and resurrection. Why are we waiting? Man, start searching and seeking for Him, right? Hebrews says that in, in Hebrews eleven six. 6, right? He rewards those who seek Him. So you start seeking. Man, find out where God's working in, in your circle. Where is God working? And then you go join Him. Right? Henry Blackaby wrote a great Bible study, man. Experiencing God. If you've never done it, that's here's a plug for Henry Blackaby. Uh, do that experiencing God uh, a Bible study. It'll blow your mind. And that was one of the themes that he had. Find out where God is working and join him. But why are you waiting for God to show up and show off when Jesus has died on the cross for us? God has done everything that needs to be done, right? Everything. So start seeking. Start searching for Him. Get in God's Word, man. Be consistent in prayer. Be faithful. Right? Start sharing the gospel. Every time you get a chance to open your mouth, share the gospel. And, and then disciple another brother. Okay? I'm, I'm not going to be quiet so you can sleep. I'm sorry. You'd be mad with me if you want to. But I'm not going to be quiet so you can sleep. And then meet community needs in the name of Jesus. Just if we're doing those things, man, you won't get drowsy. And if you're doing those things and you're still getting drowsy, then go back to number one. You've cut the lights out. Or your light has gone out. Or maybe you didn't have the light to begin with, right? Because if we're doing those things, man, I don't know how in the world brother's going to get sleepy. Because God's a rock in your world, man. God, God is rocking your world. It's hard to sleep, you know? And the last one on that, man, is this is wholehearted commitment to God. Wholehearted commitment. Look, man, half-hearted commitment causes us to be drowsy. It causes us to sleep. Matthew 5, verse 14 and 16. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Look, you're the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. Nobody lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Isn't that what Jesus is talking about? Nobody does that and dims the light. No, you put it on, a, on a, a lamp on a stand and you put it in the middle of the house where it gives light to everybody. In the same way, Jesus said, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so everyone is, will praise your heavenly Father. And notice, notice those are action verbs in there, right? Let your good deeds shine out. That's not a drowsy, sleepy follower of Jesus there. 
John 8, 12. Jesus spoke these words to the people once more. I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you have the light that leads to life. Action-oriented, action verbs there, right? John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness. Check this out. And the darkness can never extinguish it. Do you know the only person that can extinguish the light in your life? The person that looks back in, in, at you in the mirror every day. You can dim that light in your life, but nobody else can, man. If you got that light burning brightly, there's nobody that can put that out. But we can. Ephesians 5, 8. Look, you were once in darkness, but now you're the light of the Lord. Live as children of light. Look at these action verbs, right? Live. That's not drowsy. That's not asleep. That's, that's being active, right? 1 Peter 2, 9. Look, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. So that's where they're at. Then in verse 6 through 10, at midnight they were roused by the shout, Hey, hey, look, the bridegroom, he's coming. Come out and meet him. Come on. Now, y'all ever been in a deep sleep and somebody come in shouting about something? Huh? Y'all ever been to sleep like on a, on, a, on a Sunday afternoon or something and get in your chair and turn, you know, my favorite thing, man, is turn the race on or turn the golf game on. And, man, that, that just, I don't know what that does, man. It, it can put you to sleep, bubble. Okay? But then all of a sudden something happens and you wake up not knowing what day it is and you think maybe you've missed church that morning. So you wake up just, you know, you're startled. Have y'all ever done that? I'm the only one that does that. But, man, it'll scare you to death, won't it? So imagine these, they're laid out. We don't know where they're at. We don't know if they're at the bridegroom's house. We don't know where. But they're somewhere comfortable and asleep, okay? And then here's the shout, right? And they're up. They're, they're just, they're shocked. They're trying to get their lamps, trying to fill them with oil, trimming the wicks. Then the five foolish ones, verse 8, asked the others, Hey, hey, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go, go out to a shop and buy some. Now, it's not that they were, I mean, they weren't trying to be mean, right? But, I mean, I, I brought enough oil for my lamp. I can't give you any. If I give you some, I'm not going to have any. Right? Again, what is oil symbolic of? Oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit, right? How do, I give, how do I give somebody the Holy Spirit? How do I give another person salvation? You can't. You, it's impossible. You can't. You can't. You know that old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you cannot make him what? You can, man, you can tell people about Jesus all day long, but you cannot... Make them accept Christ. There's nothing in us that can. Now, we can make them thirsty. Right? We should be making people thirsty. But you can't give somebody the Holy Spirit. You can't give somebody salvation. Look, John 6, 44. No one can come to me. This is Jesus. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. And I will raise them up on the last day. 
In other words, Jesus is saying, look, if God the Father draws them, they accept me. When I return, they're going to be mine. They're going to check out of here in the thing called the rapture, right? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. I, I mean, look, you've been saved by grace through believing. You did not save yourself. Look, if you can't save, if we can't save ourselves, how in the world are we going to give somebody else salvation? It's a gift of God, right? So nobody can, can, can brag about it or boast about it. And then Jesus in John 14, 6 said, Look, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And look, man, I know my mama would have wanted to be able to give me salvation at an early age. Because I put that, me and my brother put my mama, we put her through hell, man. It was, I was 35 when I gave my life to Christ. And don't, y'all have somebody right now you wish you could give them salvation? I wish I could just give them, I, man, I would. I'd dive on them, I'd knock them out, and I'd inject them with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and when they woke up, they'd be a different person. Don't you wish you could do that to people? You know, like, bam, you know, and then, whoop. And they wake up, and they're full of Jesus. Don't word like that. See, the Holy Spirit, man, look, the Holy Spirit is our guarantee. It's our, think about a receipt. You know, you go buy something, you get a receipt, right? Well, that's mine. No, you, you, you can't take that. That's, that's mine. I own that. Let me see your receipt. You ain't got a receipt? I'm sorry, man, it ain't yours. Because if it was yours, you would have had a receipt. The Holy Spirit is our receipt, right? 2 Corinthians 5, 5. God himself has prepared us for this salvation. And as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. There's your receipt. There's your guarantee that you belong to him. Romans 8, 9. Look, you're not, however, in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Skip down to verse 16 there. For his Spirit joins with our spirit to confirm that we are God's children. 1 John three twenty four. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the Spirit he gave us Lives in us. And, and in one of my favorites, man, Ephesians chapter 1, 13 and 14, because this is talking about us. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased his, us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Isn't that awesome? So the bridegroom has arrived, right? The bridegroom, he's here. They're all awake. Five foolish bridesmaids have no, no oil. They're not prepared. There's no Holy Spirit there. Now, they knew they needed oil, right? They had to know. I mean, they're there. They see the five wise bridesmaids. They see extra oil. So they got to know they need oil. The bridegroom is delayed. Okay? It's getting close to midnight. They're burning lamps to some degree so they can see where they're at and what they're doing, right? So I, mean, I got to believe that they, they knew. Why in the world? If they knew and they saw that, why didn't they go get some? Right? So now it's midnight. Who's open at midnight? Huh? 
I mean, yeah, okay, Walmart, that's where the cuckoos and the cray-crays are hanging out. I'm sorry, man, y'all ever been to Walmart after midnight? I mean, that's the only thing that's open, right? But I mean, think about it. The bridegroom is here at midnight. There ain't no shops open at midnight selling oil. Verse 10, while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. And he called back, believe me, I don't know you. Now, when I first read that, I thought, that's strange. Why, why would his, I mean, that's kind of cruel, isn't it? God's a God of grace and mercy. I mean, why, it just, it, I don't know you, seems like it doesn't fit there, right? See, the five bridesmaids that brought extra oil, their purpose was to meet the bridegroom. They were prepared to meet the bridegroom. Don't miss that. They were prepared to meet the bridegroom. The others were not prepared to meet the bridegroom. They just wanted to go to the party. Man, how many people sitting in church, how many people that profess Jesus, they don't care nothing about Jesus. They just want to go to heaven. I mean, I hate, I hate to say that, but See, if we're prepared to meet the bridegroom, that means we have the Holy Spirit of God in us and, and we have that relationship with Jesus and I'm doing whatever it takes to be prepared to meet the bridegroom. I'm not going to live my whole life like I want to live it, not be prepared. Then when the bridegroom comes, I'm screaming at the Lord about letting me in because I'm going to miss heaven. I'm going to miss eternity. See, that, that's, that's where, man, I, 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 know, I know their deathbed conversions. I know people at the last hour give their life to Christ, but, man, it scares me to death because I wonder how many people are waiting to the last of their life asking for forgiveness, beating on the door. And the response is, believe me, I, did, I didn't know you. And then that's the end of the parable. And Jesus says this in verse 13. So you too must keep watch. For you do not know the day or hour of my return. And see, man, that's the whole, that's the whole, the whole point of the message is this. Be prepared. You're either prepared because you've got the Holy Spirit of God, Right? You're prepared, you have the Holy Spirit of God, wise. Or we're unprepared, we don't have the Holy Spirit, and we're living foolishly. Guys, that's only two options. And there's no in-between. 
Jesus said, look, man, keep watch. That means, look, stay awake, pay attention, stay focused, be vigilant, avoid distractions, because we don't know the day and the hour that, the Holy, that, 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 that Jesus, the bridegroom, is coming. And unless we have prepared, unless we have the Holy Spirit, un- unless we're ready for Him to show up, we're going to miss out. And it really needs to be more about meeting the bridegroom than it does the wedding feast, doesn't it? Come on, I don't care where heaven's at. I just, man, when I check out, I want to go meet Jesus. It don't matter where heaven's going to be. It don't matter what it looks like, smells like, tastes like. It don't matter. I just, I just want to go be with Jesus. Right? So be prepared, man. Are you prepared today? Nobody can answer that for you. You have to answer that. Are you prepared? Do you have His Spirit in here? I'm not talking about a bunch of religion. I'm not talking about educational, biblical knowledge, okay? I'm talking about do you have the Holy Spirit because you have that right relationship with Jesus? Man, I talk to a lot of guys, man, in Fayetteville, and I tell you, I get this response from a lot of folks. Well, me and the Lord, we got our own relationship. Brother, if you've said that, whether you're here or you're online, I got my own relationship, that's a scary place to be. It has to be the relationship He wants you to have. A biblically based relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Guys, that's the only way we can be prepared. That's the only way that we're going to meet Him when He comes. And the only way that we're going to get into the marriage supper of the Lamb. Are you prepared? I hope and pray that you are. Guys, y'all come and we'll wrap up. Father, I pray today that we are all prepared. Father, if there's any doubt in our mind, If there's any doubt in our mind right now that we're not prepared, then today is the day of salvation. Your word tells us that. Today is the day of salvation. Lord, And it it just bothers me because I live for so long thinking that, well, I, I have plenty of time. I'll have plenty of time. We don't know that, Lord. We don't know that if today is going to be our last day or tomorrow is going to be our last day. We may not have plenty of time. And it scares me, Lord, to think how many people are are, going to be separated from you in eternity because they thought they had plenty of time. And they did not prepare. Father, help us. Help us to be prepared. Help us to have that extra oil. Help us to have your spirit in us, Lord. And Lord, I, I pray for the church right now as a whole. Not specifically us, but we're included in this, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would be awake. That we wouldn't get drowsy. We wouldn't be asleep. That we wouldn't get comfortable. We wouldn't start to dim the lights. We wouldn't pull something up over us. And get quiet and go to sleep. 
I, I don't think that's the way you want us to live, Lord. While you're still delayed. Because a lot of people need to know about being prepared, Lord. So help us to live, Lord. Stimulated, inspired, encouraged, and help us to be so full of your spirit and your life with your light burning so brightly in us that there ain't nobody that can sleep around us. We praise you, Father. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.